0: Hi, this is Danielle Krissa from The Jaws Curator, and this is episode 168 of Art for Your Ear. So this episode is not a normal one. Not even close, actually. I was supposed to have New York-based artist Tara Lewis on, but she's sick. And I'm sick. And Greg, my husband-slash-producer, is sick. (laughs) So all three of us were like, nope, not today. That said, at the beginning of last week's episode... I told you I was saving up some super deep and reflective stuff for this week's intro. And because I always deliver on my promises, here we are. Also, because this is a pretty big topic, I couldn't really imagine telling this story and then launching into a fun interview with someone. I didn't want to put that kind of heaviness on their visit to Art for Your Ear, you know? Anyway, I decided to rally the troops, Greg, (laughs) and put this short, very personal episode together anyway. Tara will be on next week, and uh, I will kick things off with thoughts on something a little more light and fun. Okay, so, (sighs) I have to be totally honest. I've been sitting here for about an hour, trying to decide if I am really going to do this. Um, This story is not directly art-related, although I guess it kind of is, which I will address in a minute. Um, It's not something I talk about very much. In fact, I try not to think about it very much either. That said, a couple of weeks ago, on February 17th, I put a post up on Instagram, and your responses shook me. Here's what I wrote. February 17th, 1999. 21 years ago today... I was on a plane, fleeing an abusive relationship. I was terrified and relieved all in one breath. It was a lifetime ago, but I will never see February 17th on a calendar and not remember that flight from one side of the world to the other that set me free. If you're in something bad, find a way out. Ask for help and get out. It's possible, I promise. So that's what I posted. I was wanting to own the fact that I was strong enough to get away. Because when you're in something like that, even once it is long over, like decades long over, you spend years feeling like you are weak, weak enough to allow yourself to be in that situation, which of course has nothing to do with it, I now realize. Abusers are master manipulators, they are the weak ones, and they try to steal your strength, chipping away at it slowly and methodically. Anyway, I thought I was just putting my heart on sleeve for a minute on this important personal date, and that would be that. But then the comments started coming in, and they were not at all what I expected. A lot of them simply read like this. November 28, 2010. December third, 2014. July 5th, 2018 July 4th, 2009 November 11th, 1995 9999 August 21st February 7th March 11th April 14th and that's not even close to all of them. I don't know why this blew my mind. February 17th, 1999 is forever etched in my mind, but it never occurred to me how many other women have their dates, the numbers on the calendar that marked the day they were brave enough, while absolutely terrified for their safety and for what might come next, to leave. A few women also posted dates that were the opposite of freedom. The dates they shared were the last day of life for an aunt, friend, or sister who didn't leave in time. I feel incredibly lucky that that wasn't my kind of date, although I thought maybe it was going to be. So did my dad. My dad didn't cry very often, but the day I flew to Australia, he sobbed and begged me not to go. He was afraid I wasn't going to make it home. Honestly, so was I. But after almost three years of abuse, I knew if I didn't face him head on and end it my way, he'd just show up in Canada looking for me. And at the time, that seemed much scarier to me. Okay, here's the edited-for-length version of this story, and I guess today is the day I'm telling it. If you don't want to hear it, that is totally fine by me. I know that this is an art podcast, and that is why you came here. So if this is not something you want to hear, um, I will happily meet you back here next week for another artist interview. So this story starts in my early 20s, right after I graduated from art school. I met him while I was backpacking in Europe. At the beginning, it was exciting and romantic. We were long distance for a while because I went back to Canada for design school. There were red flags during visits and phone calls, but I was young and I thought this was love. After all, you always hear that relationships aren't easy. They take hard work. So I thought that's what was happening. He ended up moving to Canada and into my apartment where, by the way, He did not pay rent. Now, off the top, I said that this story wasn't art-related, but in hindsight, I realize, of course it is. He contributed in a big way to my inner critic. If I ever did make something, he decided it would help me if he provided critiques. I would like to point out that he was not an artist, had absolutely no experience with art of any kind, and had actually dropped out of high school in the 10th grade. But I digress. Even when I made something that I was really, really happy with, he'd say, who cares? Who's even going to see this? You'll never hang that in a gallery, so what's the point? Yep, that is the kind of fuel that every inner critic loves. So that was definitely one of the red flags. But as time went on, the red flags became giant red sheets flapping in my face. He did crazy shit, then apologized. More crazy shit and came home crying with huge bouquets of flowers, promising it would never happen again. I forgave and tried to convince myself that I was just putting in the hard work a grown-up relationship required. Then there were his rules. Here's just one of them as an example of the batshit craziness. I wasn't allowed to go to the bathroom with the door closed. Why? I have no idea. Once I made the mistake of going in there and locking the door with a little latch hook lock. Well, he lost his mind, ripped the door open, splintering the wood where the hook was screwed into the door frame. After about a year of this domestic bliss, he announced he was going traveling again. He couldn't be held down. He needed to see the world. So he left. And then ten days later, he called me from his parents' house in Sydney. Huh? Well, apparently, the story I got was that he had been in Nepal and was watching the sun come up over the Himalayas and suddenly realized he didn't want to see another sunrise without me by his side. He cried, apologized for what an ass he'd been, and begged me to come to Australia to really make a life together. He was ready. He wanted to marry me. There would be no more crap because a real man treats his wife with respect. (sighs) Well, I guess that was everything that my naive, abused, and manipulated 25-year-old heart wanted to hear. I planned to join him there a few months later. I needed to sell my car, wrap up my job, line up a job in Australia, etc., etc., before I just up and left my life in Canada. Cool. He was going to do the same thing, get set up and ready for me to arrive. And then the red flags started popping up again, and again, and again, and again. Now, the me I am today would have told him to go fuck himself, but the nervous 25-year-old me felt so obligated to so many people. Not only him, but my job had arranged a position for me at their Sydney office. I'd already sold my car, given up my apartment, and my friends had helped me put all of my stuff in storage. I was so far in that I wasn't sure how to back out. My dad said, just call him and end it over the phone. But I knew that wouldn't work. I knew if I did that, he'd be sitting in the dark on my front porch a few days later. And that terrified me to the core. So, long story short, I went. He was at the airport with his standard giant bouquet of flowers, crying, so happy to see me. I broke up with him the next day. The only reason I was brave enough in that moment was because we were staying at his parents' house and I knew he wouldn't do anything in front of them. I was there for four more weeks, trying to figure out if I could actually take the job in Sydney and maybe just get my own place. Yeah, but he wasn't going to let that happen. I traveled up the coast by myself for a while to clear my head, which didn't work either. When I came back to the city, he was on his best behavior, still trying to convince me to stay. Here was the final clincher for me, though. About three weeks into this gong show, we were parked at the beach, looking at, a, at the ocean, watching a bunch of surfers. He'd been saying he wanted to go look at engagement rings the next day. Wouldn't I like that? Wouldn't that be so romantic? Everything I'd always wanted. Mm-hmm. A few minutes later, after we'd both been sitting quietly watching the sunset, I asked him what he was thinking about. He very calmly said, Oh, just how I'd like to take you down there smash your head against the rocks and throw you in the ocean to let you drown? Cool. The next morning, I pretended I was going for a run. I ran to a phone booth with a quarter in my shoe and called the airline to book an emergency flight home. They could get me on a flight the next day at 3. I booked it. That evening, we went to his best friend's place. The boys went out and I stayed at the apartment with his friend's girlfriend and a friend of hers that I'd never met until this exact moment. The girls were planning a party for the next night and were giving me the details of when, where, etc., etc. I, of course, was going to be on a plane home to Canada. I took a deep breath, and I told them I was leaving. And they rejoiced. <laughs> they both hated him and couldn't believe that I was with him. And the friend, who I had just met an hour before, volunteered to drive me to the airport. They, of course, would keep this information between us until I was safely on the plane. When the boys got back, I left with him. Before we even got to the car, he said, What's going on? Nothing. He freaked out. Are you leaving? How the hell did he know? Yes, I said. We got in the car. Why did I get in the car? He drove us back to his parents' place, screaming like a maniac, driving at least 150 kilometers an hour. Now, I'm not a particularly religious person, but I had been praying a lot during this month in Australia. And I remember thinking, are you kidding me, God? You finally gave me the strength to leave, and now you're going to let me die in a car crash? But to be perfectly honest, at this particular moment, I really didn't care anymore. During this very long, winding, terrifying, high-speed, 30-minute drive home, something really weird happened. He was in the middle of calling me a selfish effing pig or something along those lines, and I felt this deep click in my chest, like an actual physical weight dropping. And then I started laughing. Like, full-on giggles, can't stop laughing, even though it is a totally inappropriate time to be laughing. Yeah, he did not like that at all. (laughs) But I looked at him with complete clarity for the first time ever. And over the top of his ranting, I just looked at him and said, You're ridiculous. And I realized that he was more scared than I had ever been. Maybe the click in my chest was God answering my prayers. Because it is a miracle we didn't crash right then and there. Somehow we got home in one piece. The friend of the girlfriend showed up the next morning and got me to the airport. Run, she said. Run through security and get to your gate because he will show up here. I did. I ran. And he did show up. Thankfully, I was already through security and safely at gate 54. I heard through the grapevine that he ended up crashing his car on his theatrical drama queen drive home from the airport, though. On February 17, 1999, I sat down in my seat, buckled in, and flew for 22 hours. I cried and laughed and cried and laughed and cried again. I have never, ever felt relief like that. He's tried to contract, contact me here and there over the years. The last time was about seven or eight years ago, but I have never engaged. Because that's what he wants, and it ain't ever going to happen. Ever. Ever. So there it is, that is my story, the super duper edited, G-rated version. I don't think I ever would have told it, but the comments so many of you left on that Instagram post made me realize that there is strength in all of us sharing our stories. Hashtag me too, right? Abusive relationships leave you feeling so unbelievably isolated and alone. But when you realize how many of us have gone through this, amazing, beautiful, smart, strong women, who have somehow found themselves in exactly this situation, we have to share our story so that people who are in it right now can find the strength to get out. Find that stranger who will drive you to the airport. None of us deserve to be treated as though we are less than. They are the cowards, not us. I know that that was really heavy (laughs) and probably not at all what you expected when you hit play (laughs) on an art podcast. If you didn't bail, thank you so, so much for listening to me. If you do need help or know someone who does, there are resources out there. Go find them. And with that, I will say, there will be more art for your ear next weekend. See you then.